0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the iFreak Show. This week on our panel, we have Alex Bush. Hello, hello. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv, and this week we have a special guest, and that's Christina Moulton.
1: Hey, y'all.
0: Now, Christina, um, I watched your talk from, what was it, TriSwift in 2018?
2: Yep, i have been?
0: And uh, went and read some stuff on your blog, looks like you've written a book, uh, done a whole bunch of cool stuff. Uh, Do you want to give a little bit more of an introduction? Just kind of let us know who you are, what your uh, passions are and things like that.
2: Sure. I guess I've been doing iOS development exclusively since about iOS 3. I had a really boring job helping out with some hardware at a university uh, with a research group and ran into a guy who needs some help moonlighting on this new iPhone stuff and kind of got into it and just kind of got sucked into it and, and stuck with it forever. I uh, spent a lot of years working at a f- small agency, then freelancing, uh, and then did a little bit of travel, which is when I wrote the, the REST APIs book uh, in Swift. Uh, and just most recently, as of about uh, six weeks ago, I've joined Square uh, working on their Cash App. I'm getting a, a very different experience from building a whole lot of MVPs and first versions of, of apps.
0: This episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. Very cool. Yeah, I keep seeing Square. It seemed like they kind of, popped up for all the people that needed um, some way to take payments on their phones. And then they disappeared for a while. Now I'm seeing them at all these events kind of competing against um, Stripe and some other similar companies.
2: Yeah, that seems to be the the ideal is to, um, the vision, at least in the, the cash app portion that I work in, is to serve the underbanked in the U.S. So provide okay. services that we can to people that traditionally would be served by a bank, but where the banks just aren't doing a great job.
0: Do banks ever do a great job?
2: (laughs) No, so I guess it's not too, too hard of a mission that we've carved out there.
0: Yeah, yeah, (laughs) I'll spare you the story.
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've definitely had a lot of interesting chats with people when when they learn that I'm working on this kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, I've switched banks a couple times, and (laughs) I haven't found one I love. I've just found the one that I hate less than the other ones. (laughs)
2: Yeah, it's very much a satisfaction problem, like what, what is just yep. good enough to put up with.
0: Yep. So, uh, yeah, I like I said, I watched your talk about uh, Siri skills. I can't remember if that was the term you used, if it was something else. But
2: <laughs> That's actually one of the big problems with Siri shortcuts that they've got now, especially with the shortcuts app in iOS 13. Uh, as a developer, you're building these things that are you think you're calling them shortcuts and then you go into the app and it's like, well, you make a shortcut by combining multiples of these things. Um, and apparently now they're actions, but when you were coding them, they were intense. And the, the terminology around, it's a real mess.
1: So, Christina, maybe you can give us sort of a big picture overview of maybe from a, I'm thinking system perspective and then your app perspective, how it all all of those pieces work together?
2: Sure. The simplest portion is what's in your app. Um, so you kind of go in and fill out what looks like a little old core data form when you're setting up your data models and that. And you just say, you know, I have an intent. and intent is kind of, at least my mental model of it is like a function call. So I've got some, um, Apple's demo code is always order soup. Um, so I have an order soup intent and it has a bunch of parameters possibly. So what kind of soup am I ordering? Uh, do I want to pick it up or, or have it delivered? Those kind of things. So it's essentially a, or a cup. Yeah, it's my mental model that as a programmer is it's a function call with arguments. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I start out with those, first I have to figure out what function the user is going to call, and then I have to populate in those arguments. And that's essentially what's happening with with this stuff. And there's a bunch of okay, you can confirm it, you can handle it, you can uh, verify that the parameters or the arguments they've given you are what you expect. But that's mostly what's happening in your app. You're really just setting up and defining those and giving them nice pictures and text to display. Then there's all the operating system level stuff going on, which is the real Siri stuff. So one of the biggest things that really limits some of the usefulness of Siri shortcuts is there's no way to trigger them using voice in your app.
1: Oh, really? Yeah,
2: it's all out in Siri.
1: So they're not really like deep links or something that you can pass around and then...
2: They're like deep links, but that you can only trigger from outside largely.
1: Mm. And that outside would be only Siri at the moment, right?
2: Siri and the new shortcuts app. Okay. So Siri is the, hey, Siri, I want to order soup. Um, And depending on, and there goes my phone. Thanks, Siri. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Depending on what the user set up when they were interacting with your app, they may have essentially recorded that order soup is, make that function call and I've already given you all the parameters. So it kind of preserves or bookmarks uh, an action they previously took in your app. Or you might get a version of it, or Siri might get a version of it that's, uh, here's the kind of the function call, the name of the intent, but you don't have all the arguments yet. So Siri has to go back and forth with the user uh, and talk about, okay, you know, what kind of soup do you want to order? Did you want to pick it up? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the neat thing about that kind of flexibility about being able to record it kind of with and without those parameters is that that lets the shortcuts app use it. And that's where you essentially can assemble multiple shortcuts as little cards. And so you can take the output of one thing and run it into the input of the next. So you can do something like I've ordered soup. So now text someone and tell them to go pick it up when it'll be ready. Right. Because the order soup is telling me what time it's going to be ready and what the location is. And I can feed that into a text message that I've already pre-populated with somebody's name or phone number. And I can kind of build up a little sequence of those.
1: I I can see that being super useful with home automations, right? Like turn off thermostat and then the lights and
2: Mm
1: -hmm. I, I don't know, maybe lights send you some data and then you feed it into the next thing.
2: One of the things that like, you open the Shortcuts app, and one of the first things it recommends is set up a series of shortcuts triggered when you get home. Right. So those kind of things. When I get home, when I get to work, do this. Not. It's really useful, but it's the kind of thing that historically has existed. Um, and it doesn't have to be voice driven in the Shortcuts app, it generally isn't. But it's like the workflow stuff that developers all really like, and nobody else ever uses.
1: Hmm. <laughs>
0: So, I really like that stuff. So
2: I love that stuff and it's fantastic. Yeah. And I, I'm getting excited that I'm seeing a few people using a little bit of it. But one of the really hard points I find in shortcuts is they're not that much work, but every bit of code is work to build and maintain. Right. And designing them and getting the conversational flows right, especially now that in iOS 13, there's a little more richness to it. Um, you can have a little more back and forth and really build a little bit of a conversational flow. In iOS 12, it was very much... What intent are they saying? What are the parameters? Populate them, confirm them. It's very, very straightforward. If you've got to design and build that, then you're maintaining that, then you have to decide if that's worth the effort compared to putting that time into something else in your app. And voice just doesn't have great discoverability. And so people tend to not even realize they can do it sometimes.
1: I think you mentioned that either in your talk or maybe just now briefly, that the system also learns as you as the user interacts with the uh, application, right? There is a way to kind of not train it per se, but like suggest so that later it suggests to the user one of those, right?
2: Yeah, you'll get that. Um, As a programmer, it's just like whenever they do something, you create one of these intents in the app, and you donate it to the operating system to track the usage of it. Um, So you're just kind of giving a little uh, essentially sending an event notification out to the operating system user did this Mm -hmm. thing. Uh, and it will track when you do that, or when the when someone does something. So if they order soup at noon every day, then when they check their lock screen or uh, pull down on the home screen for suggestions, that they'll get populated in there. I believe there's now integration on the watch for that, but I don't know how much prediction they do there. But yeah, I'm, you'll get I'm some a little cool suggestions curious that way.
0: with some of this. You said you can't run them from your app, but I'm assuming that Siri runs independent of your app anyway. So is that really a big deal or am I missing some nuance to this?
2: Well, the experience that I found to be odd is, and I'm talking to Siri, I can, Hey Siri, order soup or whatever. But when I'm somewhere within the app, you know, halfway through a soup order or thinking about ordering soup, I can't just say order soup. Right. Or I kind of lose that voice interface. So it's really a supplementary supplementary interface for something that already exists in the app. Um, The other weird thing is if you're doing all going through it in Siri or with Siri and you tap on something that being displayed, it'll jump you right into the app and and stop the voice interface, which is Mm kind of awkward. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's a great out if things aren't working perfectly. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, you're essentially operating inside an app extension. Uh, For some things, you can do some customization there. Uh, particularly for custom UI being displayed by Siri, which is really nice. But yeah, for the most part, you're operating outside of your app.
0: That makes so sense.
1: It's, so it's uh, since it's an extension, it's effectively kind of like a watch app. Yeah. It's a completely different target. And I guess you could import less of things there so that it's quick and snappy, but then you have less things. Makes sense.
2: I mean, as of iOS 13, you do get to do things like resolving parameters. So if they order a type of soup, you can say, oh, no, we're out of tomato soup today. Uh, You can give them a pre-populated list to choose from, uh, which ends up being a really nice voice experience. You can say, well, you know, which of these three locations do you want to order from? And they can say the second one. They don't have to read out the address. Uh, You can do some nice things with uh, disambiguating some of what they're saying by providing alternative Uh, speech uh, phrases that they can give, so it's not like you have to say exactly what the voice chat expects. Mm -hmm. You can give it a little bit of flexibility, but uh, still, you've essentially got four or five callback functions that you can operate in.
1: Is the the UI output, is it only visual or Siri can say something back, like give the answer?
2: Yeah. Uh, and in fact, if you're using Siri on your phone, you'll get generally like a, a more terse or shorter voice output and some visuals. So if you're given an option a set a list, you can tap on them and, and do that instead. If you're working within uh, CarPlay or HomePod, then you'll generally get a more verbose fully voice experience from Siri. So she'll read out all the options.
1: Yeah, I, I'm thinking the... Uh, driving a car use case because I do that a lot. I like use Google Maps, but then, you know, I want to get some answers occasionally mm-hmm. or something. And that, okay, I see that. that That's useful.
2: It is, and it's nice for, you can get into the Shortcuts app and start building some actions. You can do some neat things there if you're spending a lot of car time, you know, checking uh-huh. time to my destination and text somebody if it's over 20 minutes or... Tell me if I'm going to be late to my next appointment by going in your calendar and pulling it out and comparing it. But that's a lot cool programmer stuff that it's hard to believe that Apple is going to continue to put a lot of effort into the Shortcuts app. If,
1: uh, well, yeah, that, that's why I sort of wonder in a way from the developer's perspective, if it's in any way similar to deep links, right? That's why I asked mm-hmm. before, so that your... I guess, architecturally modeling, you modeling it in your code might be unified, hypothetically, with how you handle deep links, even though the input into your code is coming from, uh, what, how did you call them? Intents? Intents. Rather than what user activity or whatever. I forgot what we use for deep links, but one of those. Mm-hmm. Maybe Maybe if you kind of, the inputs are, di- are different, but then you're processing them the same way. So yeah, maybe today Apple has this intense, tomorrow it doesn't. But then you preserve in your code your whole structure and still have the quote-unquote shortcuts, but you your own if that makes sense. Yeah,
2: absolutely. In fact, one of the simplest things that they released last year is if you didn't want to build up all this custom intent stuff, you could take one of the actions or whatever it is that's under deep links. And just say, okay, and I want to make it an intent and donate it. Um, and then you'd get like the recommendations and the pop-up in the lock screen and, and things like that. You wouldn't, and you would get the ability to do a voice command uh, in when you're talking to Siri, but you wouldn't get the interactive back and forth with Siri to ask you questions and then confirm things. It would just open the app to a specific spot. But great for something like, show me today's menu. And mm-hmm. where you're just, it's going to be, just too much to present by voice. And I mean, if you've got them there for deep blinks already, it's like a line of code.
0: Hey folks, this is Charles Maxwood and I just launched my book, The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. It's up on Amazon. We self-published it. I would love your support. If you want to go check it out, you can find it there. The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. Have a good one. Max out. So you said that you put these together by filling in like a core data form or something that looks like a core data form. Very much. uh, Is that it? You just tell it, here are the words and here's what you do? Or is there more to it than that? Because for for something, it feels advanced to be able to tell my phone to do something for me like that and, you know, have somebody have already thought out how to do that. And so it seems like it should be harder than that, I guess.
2: (laughs) Uh, You'll get some very basic Functionality by doing that there are essentially what it does is it's kind of like core data takes the form and does some code generation. Okay. Uh, And it'll generate your custom intent handler with at least confirm and handle functions. If you want to build out the custom UI and the back and forth and the interactions and uh, you know, checking your database to see what your inventory levels are, you've got to add in more, more callbacks and that to do all that. But at the core, you can essentially fill out that form. Uh, and write up your two functions to if you need to confirm if you're doing something mm-hmm. that's considered an order type of interaction. Apple will require that you have a confirmation step, uh, and then handle, which is actually perform it. You can pretty much just do those call the completion handlers and get good functionality out of it.
1: I'm very allergic to all the Apple's UI thingies that generate code. <laughs> can
2: yeah, I? It's a little bit <laughs> yeah. They seem to be okay. Um, they're essentially generating protocols and giving you protocol stubs.
1: Okay, that's not bad, actually. That yeah, looks, it, that's new.
2: It very much looks like they take a template and pop your name into it um, just to name the classes. and. That's oh. not too but, but, that,
1: but then that's still generated code, so supposedly it's in a file that you shouldn't touch, right? In theory, um Or or rather, let me rephrase. Do you want to touch it? Like where does your custom code goes? So for the
2: most part, unless you're actually going to go back and change the name of your intents, the generated code would stay the same and you can write the the real code to do most of the functionality you don't see. Um, That's kind of hidden behind the scenes from you. The generated code is really just the protocol implementations for you to handle the events that you need to.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So if you add a second intent, you'll just get another file generated with another intent. Um,
1: I see. So, so it's gonna be kind of like app delegate object that's initialized for you somewhere behind the scenes. You never get to inject anything, nothing like that. You only have that quote unquote main function of uh, what was it, did finish, launching with options. So you have something similar like that in miniature, but with, in your little, how, how are they called intents handlers, I guess? Yeah, they're calling them intent
2: handlers. Uh, essentially, I mean, in some ways it feels a little bit like UI uh, UI view controller lifecycle callbacks. That's so kind of like, oh, like, uh, you know, we, we're going to do this, we do it. Then you're going to finish with it and you get, you know, two or three spots where you can interject into it. But I mean, I, I guess UI application delicate App lifestyle or scene delegate now, very similar.
1: Right, we're seeing the, Yeah, we got we right. got that now I to know. migrate to. Uh, yeah. Um, so, and since you mentioned that's an an extension, it, that's its own target. Where, I guess, I'm trying to think through. Core handler. Where is your code at the point when that handler is co- function is called? What, in what state your the rest of your code is. Like, where do you start to initialize your dependencies and do everything to actually then answer or do useful work that the user wants you to do via that uh, uh, Siri shortcut?
2: It depends, of course. Uh, if you have a lot of custom UI, that's kind of in its own extension. So that's a, you're taking a very view model approach to that kind of thing. The core custom intent handling...
1: Well, well, again, right? I'm thinking uh, the the, the comparing to app delegate did finish launching, you don't really have much before that is effectively your main main function and you do your uh, dependency set up there. Is it yeah. the same or there, there's a chance to do it before maybe have a singleton or something?
2: It's been a while since I've written with the new stuff, and I don't want to say something that's wrong on iOS thirteen. Uh, When I was playing around with it a lot on 12, it was very much Mm -hmm. pretty new, pretty, pretty basic, Um, a lot like writing and watch app stuff. Unless the user happened to tap on things and jump into your app and then you're in the the magic links world, the deep links world. I see. Right. And it's, you know, were we running and this is something that happened while we were running and, and that. So that's a whole scenario and you have to support that scenario.
1: Actually, yeah. Can can you walk us through that? So, then if the user tapped something, then your other app target will be launched. But what is it gonna be, uh, the uh, user, What is it? User activity callback yeah. will be okay. So it goes yeah, through the, that user
2: activity callback, and, and the user activity callback just has an extra parameter. Correct. And as user activity has an extra property now, I think,
1: actually. I see, so I wouldn't be able to ignore it anymore in this case, damn it. <laughs> no, no, <it's>
2: kind <laughs> of, they, App Review would hopefully catch that, although I doubt they're testing too many shortcuts. But In theory, they should.
1: Yeah. Actually, yeah, that, that's it's a, s- a segue, but I'm just curious. How does Apple, do they require you now to submit sort of a list of them of those intents and then screenshots of what they do or?
2: I doubt it. I haven't actually pushed one through the App Store. Everything that I've done has been very prototype. They don't for test flight. Um, hmm. I'd be surprised if they did. And that's kind of something we're getting into in a lot of things on iOS now is there's a lot of functionality that's very non-evident to reviewers necessarily. Right. A lot of things that probably should be tested and verified, but there's really no visibility. Yet. It's not obvious to anyone that that should be a thing for a specific app sometimes, unless they're really familiar with your marketing.
0: I'm reasonably certain that'll change. I think more and more things are going to go to voice. So They're going to have to start paying attention to it.
2: Yeah. And I mean, the being able to do things through the shortcuts app does give them a reasonably automatable way to test some of this stuff without mm-hmm. it being I know without everyone needing a quiet environment to do it, it uh, would certainly be a difficult thing to do if you had a dozen people in a room trying to, to all test them. But yeah, if, if at this point your functionality is always available in the shortcuts app in a way that you're essentially just tapping through. Uh, and there's not much other configuration that only applies to voice other than being able to say synonyms. That's the only thing that's really voice oriented.
0: So one thing that I'm wondering about, and we've kind of uh, walked right up to the edge of it here is how do I test it? Is there a way to do automated testing of intents?
2: That's an excellent question. Not that I've found. Uh, I'd love to see if someone's figured out a way, but triggering the protocols and stuff, uh, I'd be looking at doing more declarative testing. Right. uh, Calling those functions very specifically myself with objects that I've created myself and verifying that the responses are what I get. And honestly, you could probably figure out another way to do it. And even if you did, it would just be really slow.
0: Yeah, it just occurs to me that, you know, if if I have to do it through the shortcuts app, then there's a black box between somebody saying something and then having something happen. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I was just wondering if they gave you some kind of test interface that would allow you to essentially push something into that black box and see what comes out the other end.
2: If you think of the conversation that you end up having with Siri as kind of a flowchart, yeah. what you really get is the ability to test the logic in each of those boxes. So given these inputs, what's the next box we go to on the chart? Right. You don't really get any visibility into the actual voice recognition uh, or user input in most cases. Uh, there's a few types that you might have specified for some of your arguments where you might be looking at, okay, we know exactly what string or number did they give me and, and work with that a little bit. Uh, but even that's one level abstracted away from the actual user experience. Gotcha.
1: Is that is that input? I just thought of it. Is that a user input via voice, so that, as you called it, form collection in a way, right? The data mm-hmm. collection. Is it linear? So, as, let's say you need to collect three items as you progress. You're at number three, but then you figured, oh, I need to change number one. Can you tell Siri, oh, no, no, wait. Or that's like too advanced.
2: You can now. You you didn't need oh. to be able to. Uh, by default, it will go through the arguments in linear order that you specified in your little core data looking form. But you can now go in and they call it resolving I want to say an argument, but essentially resolving those parameters. So figuring out what did the user tell me, what do I actually want to use for this parameter? And when you're resolving a parameter, you're allowed to respond with a number of different values. For example, if it's nil, you can say I require a value for this parameter. When you do that, you don't have to say for the current parameter that we were already looking at. So you can get to number three, look at it and go, oh, I actually want you to go ask them for a new value for a parameter number one. And that's where you can start to build up little bits of flowcharty type conversations.
1: I see. And you could also get into an infinitive loop if sometimes conditions just keeps going back or something.
2: The big constraint with Siri shortcuts is you can't jump between intents.
1: Mm, I see. you're,
2: You're trapped in them. When the user kind of declares their intention to take a certain action, you proceed until you can complete or abort that action. If you're using something like a third-party chatbot SDK, then you can do things where you get partway in and then jump to a completely different intent. And you can build up much more complex conversational uh, algorithms. But that's where you really get into, where are they going to get into loops? Are they going to get stuck?
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Are we really allowing them to do enough to really finish what we want? I'm sure you've seen that at some point where you think, an app has absolutely got a wonderful user experience and you hand it to someone and they do something that you never would have imagined anyone would do.
1: Oh, of course. Yeah, that, Yeah, it just, Why would you
2: ever? Who holds an iPad in portrait orientation? People. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> the developer will never test it that way if that's just not the way they do things. Uh, and you really we'll run into that with in voice. Yeah,
1: right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> <No>, it's computers. <laughs> um, yeah it, it's a really big thing with voice and, and that's where it's really easy to disappoint your users um and think that they're they're getting something really cool and neat and you're just not quite just not quite managing to give them a, the experience that they're hoping for and mm-hmm. i think that's why apple has it so constrained that you know the users declaring an intent and going until they abort or, or finish it because it constrains the user input. It keeps the developer in one very small context. So yeah, you can get a loop or you've doubled back to having to redo something you did before and, and infinite loops are possible, but it's hard to get really sidetracked into a section of your flowchart of your big conversational flow that just doesn't make any sense after a certain point. Right. It's really easy for users to lose mental context and voice. And it's really annoying if you have to keep reminding them where you are.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, Apple. That. That's. I think in general, typical Apple approach. They will give you very little in terms of framework APIs, and so that they make sure you can't shoot yourself in the foot without at all. And then after several years, maybe they'll give you a little more. Maybe
2: they really expanded shortcuts this time. Um, you you had very little, you essentially didn't get to resolve the parameters last year. So mm-hmm. you could say, what are the types? And they Siri went out and just told you once it had everything. Uh, you really got nothing other than confirm and handle.
1: So you mentioned the other SDKs, and I think in your talk as well, you, you, you kind of covered that a little bit. So can you, can you talk about that? What are the big major SDKs are out there that you can plug into your app? And how do they compare, uh, yeah, I guess, to Apple's?
2: A lot of the rest are very similar. Uh, I've got most of my experience with Amazon Alexa, uh, but there's a handful, Google has one, Microsoft has one. It, it seemed like about two years ago, everybody just needed to launch one all of a sudden. They essentially work in largely the same way where there's some kind of intent and then you're trying to uh, disambiguate or populate parameters, but they usually give you a little more flexibility in that at any point, you, there's some way to jump to some other state. Uh, for example, Amazon Alexa has just like a context object Mm-hmm. and you could use that to track uh, a user id or something so that when you're you're doing your actual work uh, so most of this is probably going to be server side uh you can do the client side but it's nice to offload the work so you can you know send in a, a different user id and then just completely switch uh the functionality that you're dealing with at that point so being able to make big jumps and discontinuities uh in the flows is their real advantage uh the other thing that works really nicely with And the reason I got into playing with the chatbot SDKs is because you can do voice recognition inside your own app. Uh, I had a freelance client who wanted to essentially build a very niche targeted voice assistant. So something like Siri, but essentially as a UI for a web service.
0: One of the biggest pain points that I find as I talk to people about software is deployment. It's really interesting to have the conversations with people where it's I don't want to deal with Docker. I don't want to deal with Kubernetes. I don't want to deal with setting up servers. I don't, you know, all of these different things. And in a lot of ways, DevOps has gotten a lot easier. And in a lot of ways, DevOps has also kind of embraced a certain amount of culture around applications, the way we build them, the way we deploy them. And I've really felt for a long time that developers need to have the conversations with DevOps or adopt some form of DevOps so that they can take control of what they're doing and really understand when things go to production, what's going on, so that they can help debug the issues and fix the issues and find the issues when they go wrong and help streamline things and make things better and slicker and easier so that they'll more generally go right. So we started a podcast called Adventures in DevOps. And I pulled in one of the hosts from one of my favorite DevOps shows, Nell Shamrell Harrington from the Food Fight Show. And we got things rolling there. And so this is more or less a continuation of the Food Fight Show where we're talking about the things that go into DevOps. So if you're struggling with any of these operational type things, then definitely check out Adventures in DevOps. And you can find it at adventuresindevopspodcast.com.
1: I guess the, the main difference, I would assume, is that those SDKs are to make voice work within your app, but it's not going to integrate with the outside with a system, right? So uh, they're not really kind of becoming an adopter between Apple's API of intent passing and then down to your app. They're just sort of a different kind of tool where you launch your UI the normal way, and maybe then you present or rather start the voice interaction with the
0: user
2: very much i mean if you're really slick you could probably do both and have them hand off um you'd only be able to hand off from siri into your app you wouldn't really be able to go in the other direction but yes they're very much this is what you can do in your app and this is what you can do outside and they're two completely different worlds at this point
1: it's kind of sad actually i i I hoped they would be you know how the the sort of approach i'm thinking about is um like those tracker tracking services like uh, Segment or Mixpanel or even Facebook, right, SDK. As you integrate them, they have this, they take over your plugin points or or, or on the side are you supposed to so, sort of add them to your app delegate callback methods so that they also know or pass through some some tracking information to you it's, it's sometimes annoying and takes over too much, but it's neat in a way because it actually integrates with your system how you would have done it if you implemented all of that tracking yourself. So I kind of hoped they would voice SDKs would do the same.
2: It would be really nice. I'd love to see that happen. It, everyone building third-party chatbot SDKs, Google and Amazon, and everyone seems to want to just play in their own sandbox and do their own thing. But yeah, if you've got someone and they're using your app and they're talking to it, they're going to get very confused when they can't say the same thing to Siri. Right, yeah. Or vice versa. It it just doesn't seem to to mesh very well that way. So hopefully, yeah, that would be really sweet.
1: (laughs) I guess it's not in their interests typically because they're some third-party company. They have their own world to control and money to make. And then t- tightly integrating with Apple stuff is probably not good for business.
2: Probably, and there's always that risk of Apple shutting it down for some random reason or other. Um, one of the real advantages of using Apple's options for some of this, uh, and I've had a few examples in apps where I've done very simple voice processing just using uh, SF speech recognizer. So Apple SDK, and it just spits out text for whatever someone said to the app. Uh, But then you're stuck literally processing freeform text but you're not sending someone's voice and everything they're saying to another third-party service that they may not trust Uh, and beyond the privacy concerns siri on someone's phone is trained to their voice Uh so i've I've met a few people that i've talked to and i swear they don't have accents siri understands them and an untrained third-party chatbot just couldn't do it and it was surreal oh, wow. someone would walk behind them in the room and repeat what they were saying and third party <laughs> processing would pick it up and we switched to um actually what we ended up doing in the end was using uh, apple's sf speech recognizer to convert to text and then sending that to the chatbot sdk as text instead of sending the voice because it it just wasn't quite working for us it just had too many little weird glitches and stuff And, and you you lose something doing that because if they said something and it was slightly misinterpreted now you're sending text that isn't quite right and the third party chatbot thinks that you typed that didn't say that and now when it tries to to kind of fuzzy match that to the inputs it expects it's not going to quite uh treat that the same way that it would have a voice input
1: you see, you see that that's a that's a big topic on its own, and I had a a friend of mine and I we talked about it a lot at some point. That's this sort of the uni Yeah, I don't even know from where to start talking about it, but super br- briefly, it's this unification of, I guess, data passing. Right, if you use that SDK and then you feed it data in one format, as such as voice. And, and then you feed it in a different format, but the same data such as text, then it gives you back two different results. That's not really a good, good API in a sense of maybe it shouldn't even be getting two different types of formats. Maybe you should just send it JSON and that's how you talk to it. And then you get either text input via well, text, typing, or voice, and then you somehow, like, using, uh, what what do you call it? SF text recognizer thingy?
2: Uh, Speech recognizer, but yeah. yeah.
1: Process it and then feed it back.
2: It's, uh, yeah, it's interesting. It's like a whole natural thing. People expect voice assistance and voice recognition technology to work like talking to a person. So if I wrote you a note and misspelled a word, and I speak Mm -hmm. to you and I mispronounce something, even if the letters... If you transcribed what I said were the same, those are going to be different things to a person.
1: Right.
2: Yeah. There's so much psychology that's just different between talking to apps instead of typing to them. People just have such different expectations.
1: Mm, Difficult, yes.
2: Yeah. And from a program perspective, it's like, no, they are words. They have meaning. That's what they said. That's that's (laughs) what it should be. But there there is a difference. Yeah. Humans are always the yeah. most fun part of software.
0: <laughs> I would have said fun a little differently, but they're, they're they're often, they are often the most fun, but sometimes they're the most challenging as well. Very much. And that could be the other developers you're working with, or it could be your users, or it could be, you know, somebody who has to interface with the system one way or the other in a different way. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Apple's internal decisions. <laughs> Those are very human, but
0: I'm sure I'm sure we do show after show about that.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. So,
1: so Christina, uh, how one would start with Siri shortcuts or Siri voice? Oh shoot! Again, terminology right there. I what don't you know to, to do. To,
2: That's the problem. Uh, so, I, I the guess history. like
1: like what what to read or maybe what examples to look at and or maybe a little thing to just start implementing and playing with that you can explain in two minutes.
2: Nicest thing to work with is actually Apple's demo code. Uh, The Siri shortcuts demo codes really good. Uh, Do read the readme. There's a few things you have to tweak because it works with app groups, things like that, but they're pretty simple to set up. And it will give you a fully functional example. So if you grab that uh, and go through some old last year and this year's WWDC videos on Siri shortcuts, they're using literally that demo code to do their examples. Mm -hmm. So it's really nice to get started and get a feel for all the different things and possibilities that you can build doing that. And while voice recognition in your app is really neat, it's a very hard thing to build well, and it's a very big feature. And in a lot of cases, you can probably get away with just pointing out to people that there's a dictation button on the keyboard that works just fine. So if I was going to start playing and I was interested in voice recognition, I would absolutely start with Shiri shortcuts today.
0: Makes sense. Very cool. Well, before we uh, go to pics, why don't you tell people where they can find you and where they can find your book and what the book's about. Give us the elevator pitch on that as well.
2: Sure. So the easiest place to track down that stuff is at grokswift.com, G-R-O-K-S-W-I-F-T.com. Uh, there should be a link to the book there. Uh, the book is a very uh, beginner approach on, I have a REST API, I have some web API, and I want to pull in that data and display it in my app. Uh, it's a problem that I ran into dozens of times, at least, uh, as a freelancer, and it's kind of evolved over the years. Uh, and then when Swift came out, that was the thing that people seem to have a lot of questions about. And I think we're going to see a, a whole other resurgence of that when we finally figure out exactly what Swift UI and Combine are going to look like. Uh, but for now, um, iOS apps with REST APIs, uh, also available on Leanpub, if you want to look for it there, uh, is a, a good place to start for that.
0: Awesome. All right, well, let's go ahead and do some picks. Alex, do you have some picks for us?
1: I have a book, uh, So Good They Can't Ignore You uh, by Cole Newport. Yeah, it's uh, not too old, not too new, 2012. Yeah, teaching you how to build career capital so that you're happy with your job and career in general and have options, highly recommend.
0: All right, I'm going to throw out some picks. Um now on the other shows on devchat.tv I've been picking Christmas movies. So, um I decided this was the last week I was going to do it though. So, um I am going to cuz uh, you know, if the shows come out within the next 2 weeks they'll be before Christmas and otherwise they'll, you know, be right before right after Christmas. So, um I'm just going to throw some out there and we'll see where we land. Uh the first one is um probably, it's in my top three. I'll just share my top three. So the first one is um, It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, Just a classic movie. I really, really um, love that movie. It's kind of got that nostalgic feel for me. Um, It was my dad's favorite Christmas movie and he passed away last year. So, you know, I just kind of have that special place for that movie. Another one is Holiday Inn. A lot of people don't know, but Holiday Inn is the movie that the song White Christmas was originally from. Anyway, so it it's it's also just a terrific movie. Uh, White Christmas as a movie is also really awesome. Um, and so, if you're into kind of the musicals and you know singing and dancing and that kind of thing, both of them have Bing Crosby in them. The one of them has uh, Fred Astaire in it. Uh, Holiday Inn and white christmas has danny k in it and danny k is just funny funny to watch so anyway i'll pick those my absolute favorite christmas movie is a christmas story and uh, i kind of grew up watching that it was always on over and over and over again on different tv channels as a kid and yeah it's just his classic one-liners funny funny movie so those are my christmas picks um also it's the week after thanksgiving And uh, I was doing some, I I think one of my family members had told me that um, we have ancestors that came over on the Mayflower. So I went and looked. turns out that uh, I think five of my ancestors came over on the Mayflower and were at the first Thanksgiving. So, you know, we celebrated it, got together as a family. It's just kind of nice to think about, um, you know, people from basically two different worlds coming together and uh, cooperating and getting to know each other and... Celebrating, you know, the blessings that they have. So I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna pick that as well. Just kind of Thanksgiving in general. Uh, Christina, do you have some picks for us?
1: Yeah, to kind of
2: stick on topic a little bit. I'm gonna recommend if anybody's into the shortcut stuff, uh, specifically from WWDC 2019. There's a designing great shortcuts talk, which even if you're not doing shortcuts and you're just doing other voice interaction, has some really good tips on what to think about and how to not drive people crazy uh, the other thing uh, that i'd like to recommend that's probably not going to be super timely by the time the show is out uh but is my most wonderful bit of entertainment right now uh is a twitter thread not i'll give the link but it's essentially a text adventure of a raccoon that started out in an alley behind a bakery uh and it's being operated as twitter polls so Every few hours they put up a Twitter poll with a couple of options uh, and then we get to see what everyone votes for and what the Raccoon does next. So that's kind of been my (laughs) high entertainment value, low time commitment thing. I think it's from the same guy who does like the Picard tips and Riker Googling, those kind of Twitter accounts, but it's been a heck of a lot of fun for the last nine days, I think.
0: Nice. All right. Well, let's go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, Thank you both for coming.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, it was fun. All right. Well, well, we'll wrap this up. We'll have another one next week. And in the meantime, Max out, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit dot com to learn more.